Well, welcome to Dragonheart. Today we're going to break down that tough draw away from home against Southend. We're also going to have got into Mike Jones, referee and expert, and we're going to be carrying on with our rivalry series and we're going to be talking about the big North Wales derby and what it means to us. So this is me, Che Long, Bill Long and Mark Griffiths. Young again with another corner, he's looking for Hayden. Let's drop back post for Jordan Davis, it's a good head, it's gone back in, it's 1-0! Yes! Super Bowl in! 1-0 Wrexham! It was coming, the pressure was relentless! This is Dragonheart. South End, well, I think in the grand scheme of, uh, scheme of things, Bill, I think a point gained rather than three points dropped. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think that's pretty fair. With with uh, the disallowed goal, that, that it's a bit difficult to really tell what it was disallowed for. Uh, you know, having looked at the highlights, you, you, I'm still not 100% certain, but then maybe that's just because I'm watching it on a phone and not really seeing how close the, the ball was to his hand or whatever's happened there. Yeah, whenever you have an incident like that happen in a game, it, you've you've and, a, and it's gone that way for us. You've just got to take it as it is, isn't your mark, really. Yeah, I can tell you what I got disallowed for, and um, later on when we hear from our our personal ref Mike Jones, he'll confirm this. It was Hyde who was offside, and which was very confusing because I must be honest, at the time commentating, my two thoughts were, did it bounce up onto the hand of Ralph, the player who knocked it back across to him? And was he coming back from an offside position? Um, but Hyde was doing what Hyde does. He always lurks on the border on onside offside, doesn't he? And that's what he was doing. He was in a six yard box and he did well to get back and get on the end of it. And it was a good finish, but he came back from an offside position and, what confused me at the time really was why is the referee well Mike Jones will explain it better than I do later on but I, my confusion was why hasn't the flag just gone up and the ref said offside why did the ref give the goal then go over to check details of the linesman but yeah Hyde was offside and he was off when you freeze it on the, you know the video you can see that but there were other chances they had as well and we rode our luck a little bit. And I agree. I think a, a point gained. I don't think a bad point either. I know South End are mid-table now. But the finish higher than that. I, I don't think that's a bad result at all. Especially when you look at some of the other results. Like, you know, our 5-0 win at Dorking looks very tasty at the moment, doesn't it? After what they did to Notts County. Yeah, and I think good teams have a bit of luck as well. I think hmm. you can't come in and win 5-0. Every single every single game of the week, you know, it, it, it's it's for me. Southender aside, that are going to be there or thereabouts. From what I could see from the highlights and what I was hearing from the radio commentary, they're a very good side, aren't they? Um, and I think they're going to be there or thereabouts in the playoffs. I think looking towards the end of the season, we're going to be looking at that game and thinking, "Wow, yeah, that was a really important point, really." Because I think all credit to Southend, Mark. They do have a good side. I think Jake Hyde played pretty well as well. They played well at the, in the second half of last season, didn't they? And they played really well at the race course. And you know their big issue has been that they lost Sam Dolby to us. But nonetheless, you know I think I think they are a, a good team, and they were very energetic. They put a lot of pressure on us, um, and they sustained it through the game. And we found it quite difficult to find our rhythm. We did on occasions, and we we made chances. I mean Palmer. 
that shot in the first half, I thought that was in. It's a wonderful save to deny him. But yeah, on the whole, I thought they, they did better than us. And in those circumstances, you dig in and you get a point and it's okay. I, I thought, for me, one of the indications of how we played and how they did slightly better was that I made Young man of the match in my eyes. Um, but it was different from the Luke Young we've seen playing so well this season. He he was more of a defensive midfielder. I don't think by design. I think just because they were getting on top of us and he was having to do a lot of really good hard work in his own half. I don't think that was our intention, but Young ended up having to do that work because we weren't getting up the pitch as much as we'd like to. Yeah. Yeah, it did look the case, to be fair. Uh, Bill, is was there any worrying signs or are you quite happy, really, with the whole result going into Torquay, the game against Torquay on Saturday? Um. No, no, nothing too worrying for me. I think you, you know, even even some of the best teams that have that have uh, you know won won the, the elite leagues uh, uh, throughout history, they're not going to win every single game. Uh, even like the 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 Arsenal Invincibles. I know we're going way back there, but I know they didn't lose a game, but they certainly didn't win every game. I even yeah. they, in fact they were quite famous for taking a lot of points uh, rather than losing. So you've just got to take it on the chin. You go into an ex football league club. The atmosphere on the radio sounded pretty decent. Uh, or the commentary, the highlights, even you know, because it was it was in that uh, that box, wasn't it? The I think the press box just to, to pull the curtain a little bit. Uh, yeah, so it's 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 one of those, isn't it? I, I think you can't expect to go to a team like Southend and come away with three points. Expect uh, the way they're playing at the moment, it's fine. It's not really not really much I can add to it. Really, yeah. we're virtually top. Aren't we? We're yeah. what? What yeah. is it? One point off Chesterfield. If they hadn't scored late on, we would have been top. Um, so yeah, this is okay. So, and I, I'm looking at some of the other sides around us. They haven't played all that many tough matches. I know you could argue we've only played Chesterfield, but you know some of the teams are up near the top have really had quite easy starts of the season, and they'll have to they'll have to face up to those fixtures sometime. Plus, they've all got to come to ours. So yeah. So, so Mark, leading into the Torquay game on Saturday, hmm. would there be any changes to the starting eleven this time round? Do you think we need freshening up? That is a good question. I'm suspecting not necessarily. Uh, didn't seem anyone really got knocks as such. And so, no, I, I suspect Parkinson. He hasn't seen enough to rip it all up. So we put it that way. I... I <laughs> But if you were Phil Parkinson yourself, mm. would you personally change anything? Just to, you know, not I don't mean fresh things are passing yeah. from a physical point of view. I mean, from a tactical or from just a personnel yeah. point of view. Um, no, I'm quite no. conservative. I think if I was a manager, I'd be fairly conservative. I've got to be honest. Um, I, I think we're going well at the moment. I don't like you said. I don't think people are looking like they're tiring. Uh, generally we're getting on top of games and in home games we're really dominating and so I, my inclination at the moment would be okay, I'm happy with this as it is there'll come points in the season where that squad will come into play and I'll keep them fresh for now Is there a midweek game after Torquay as well? Uh, no, I just got, the, just got the fixtures up. Yeah, it's straight to Oldham yeah, and then Oldham. it's and then, but then it's not County 
away the the Tuesday after Oldham. Then we've got Barnet on the eighth, and then there's a gap in the fixtures here, which I'm assuming is FA Trophy. So we've only we've only four games until that fixture. I think maybe that's the time you look to freshen up, isn't it, really, Che? Well, you look fresh in. Go on, Che. Rip them all up. Shut your panyak in goal. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> do, do we do we really freshen up for Oldham, which is going to be a tough away day? Or do we, we do we fresh up against Notts County, who are going to be title rivals if we're going strong? So, yeah, I don't really know how to add to that one. I think it's all going to be depend on how we play on Saturday, I think. Yeah, I think if we beat Torquay, we don't need to, to really think too hard about Oldham. Uh, but then you, you've just got to think, is there any, are there any chances of suspensions or injuries between now and the Notts County game? Uh, Oldham are funny one, aren't they? Didn't they just sack their manager? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. And it's looking quite far ahead to talk about Oldham now, but it, with the run of form they're on and a change in manager, maybe maybe of the three between Torquay, Oldham, and Notts County, maybe that might be the one that you might be tempted to to change it up a little bit. But I don't know. But they've only got nine games on their legs at now, right now, and I think okay, when you got Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday week, then maybe you look and think okay. We ask a hell of a lot of our wing backs. Do we swap McFadgen yeah. in with Mondi, for example, just to give one of them a rest? Do we look on the right of you know how close is Hosanna and Paul Johnson to getting fit? Do we look at switching them in and out? But Ford doesn't look to be showing any dis- signs of distress. He's getting better and better. Ford for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then in midfield, I mean, the obvious question, which I know we're going to address later, about Elliot Lee. Um, coming in, well, I mean, him for James Jones alters the ba- the balance of the team. Do you do that? Jones never gets tired. <laughs> you know, I I don't see any urgent need to change things. And the back three, I've played every game, and I think they're doing all right. So I don't really see an urgent need for that. And up front again, you know, I'm not, you know, if someone else wants to tell Mullen or Palmer they're being rested, they can, but I wouldn't. <laughs> no, there's no. I, I've seen a stat today, and I know with the leagues, and I could be completely wrong on Twitter that Mullen and Palmer have scored more goals than Man United this season, <laughs> which uh, says the you know the form them them two are in at the moment is yeah. amazing. In Don't say that too loud. It's ten will be after him, money. <laughs> <laughs> well, get get that Glazer money out. Um, <laughs> Wrexham's Heartbeat. This is Callon FM. Well, on Wednesday, the reserve team were in action. Mark, anything to add to that? They won 1-0. It's a decent win, isn't it? No, I haven't. Um, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I'm sorry. Um, players <laughs> played and a goal was scored. Yeah, but... It's child laughed, a dog barked. I don't know. I, I would, I would love to go to see this team because I'd like to see this to be our uh, FA Trophy team for this season, which would be quite interesting, yeah. wouldn't it? Well, there'll be there'll be a mix, won't there? They're, they're certainly. I mean, I didn't even know the score. I got to be honest with you, but I know that the last week's reserve team, very young defence, apart from Dunnicliffe, and then more experiences go up the pitch. I'm really interested in the fact that Dan Jones is still being used as a right wing back as he was in pre-season. 
I've always, you know, he's, he's seen as a real prospect. I've always assumed, you know, he'd be played up front or attacking midfield. But his physicality, I think, is is decent uh, right wing back when I've seen him there. And I've seen bits of the, the reserve game from a week ago. And so, yeah, I, I'm curious about things like that. I think it's pretty cool that we have a reserve team now as yeah. well, isn't it? In, it? I'd love to go see him at some point. But enough of that now. After this, we have got an interview with Mike Jones, referee. I'm Liam McClendon and this is Dragon Heart. Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. It's it's brilliant to uh, to hear from you, not least because I'm starting to gain a reputation as someone who is anti-referee. I, I refute this, but, you know, plenty of people who uh, listen regularly will say, no, no, you are actually harsh. So I think it's good to have a, a, a proper ref on who knows what they're talking about to actually uh, slap me around a little bit. <laughs> well, to us, you're looking at the standard of refereeing in the conference. I think you'd be a bit anti-ref as well. Fair but, point. <laughs> you know, they, they, they do that. I think what we forget with the conference is, or the National League, is they are not football league referees. They've they've come up for, through grassroots, through whatever system, you know, Northwest counties to Northern Premier League to National League North. Um, uh, and so it's difficult for them when they're they're confronted, especially early on with professional football. Yeah, and and as well, to be fair, I think uh, there are plenty of performances that, that are good as well, and referees yeah, yeah. never get the credits <laughs> when they do well, do they? <laughs> no, that's, that's, and that's the problem. Is yeah, like this season, I've been to all the home games and Chesterfield away, and I must admit the referee has it's been okay. Mm. I, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because that's my sort of gut feeling as well. Generally, actually, yeah. I think it's felt I've, I've been ranting less. We put it that way, yeah, and, and as well, uh, I'll be honest, the bias always comes into it because I mean, South End were going mad about the referee on Saturday. Yeah. I thought he had a very solid game. Yeah. When you think I'm of listening. anything, I would object to. No, I was listening to your commentary. Um, you're, you're by yourself, so that's probably hard work as well, trying to keep <laughs> up with everything. But, um, I've, I've looked on the highlights and the Jake Hyde offside. Mm. Uh, in my view, Jake Hyde run as the ball's played. He's in an offside position, but he runs across the line of the keeper, and then he comes back onside. So the only re- forget the handball, you know, but the only thing I can see is the assistant has gone to the referee when the ball was played. He was in an offside position, and the referee has turned around and go, "Well, actually, yeah, he's in the eye line of the goalkeeper." Mm. So he's interfered with the players, the, not necessarily the play, but so it, that's the offside offence. Yeah, I, I thought the one odd thing, although I, I'm, I'm one of those, I'm quite happy for officials to take their time to get the right yeah. A lot of commentators, it sort of annoys me when they say, oh, a flag is late. or th- I don't, I don't yeah. get, get it right. That, that's, yeah. your, that's the job. Um, I, I was slightly confused why they had to consult because the ball came off Ralph eventually straight to yeah. I wondered whether the linesman had to say, right, he's offside, but yeah. I'm not sure who it came off, possibly. And yeah. then... or, or I, th- I think with that one, it's probably good team. If I was assessing that, I'd be querying it. And I'd probably put it down as good teamwork, where the assistant says, Jake Hyde, when that ball was played, Jake Hyde was in an offside position. And the referee has then gone, well, actually, he was in the line of the goalkeeper's sight. So you're telling me he was offside, and at that point he was in the line of the goalkeeper's sight, or it was a distraction of the goalkeeper. 
So putting those two together makes it offside. So and that's an instruction referees will give to a, assistants. We used to do it when we're doing games in Europe. Is if you're not sure, put the flag up or hold your ground, and we'll have a chat. And it's like you've got one piece of the jigsaw, I've got the other piece. Put them together, and we'll make a decision. Not necessarily the right one, but we can make a decision based on the information and intelligence. Yeah, I mean that, that's the other thing, isn't it? Um, oh, so many Wrexham examples come into my head to illustrate this now. Um, bad communication. An example, yeah. I saw, for example, was Cheeslevich's ghost goal at Kidderminster, where yeah. for me, Amy Fern was excellent in that game. Yeah, but when the ball, I mean, I was right behind it, but and truly by luck, yeah. I could see it was a goal. Yeah. Um. The linesman, I think it's perfectly... Look, I've refereed school matches. I've given a goal yeah. <laughs> against my team because there were no nets because I just couldn't tell if it went in. No. And the only time I, re I only realised when one of my nice, polite defenders came up to me and said, sir, that went wide. And I was like, oops, well, yeah. <laughs> I've given it in good faith. Um, but the, I accept the linesman may well have been in the wrong spots. Um, what bothered me about that in terms of teamwork is that the referee got chased around the pitch by yeah. players for quite a long time before the fourth official finally drew her attention. Yeah. Um, and this is not pre-headpieces either. And said, oh, I didn't go in. Because he had the same view as me. I, I, I remember very clearly seeing the fourth yeah. standing there and the ball yeah. went in, you know, over his shoulder. And you sort of think, hang on, couldn't you have uh, said, get straight to me, I know what happens. But, yeah. you know, I'd, but they still got there in the end. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, 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 that delay, you didn't get it right, you get it right. Like I know the fourth official, I don't know if the, the, the sets have changed, but when you were fourth official, you would have to press. The ref and the assistants are mic'd up and they can, they've got like free communication. Mm -hmm. But the fourth official would have to press a button. So I don't know if they were struggling to get that button and with the noise in the ear of the Wrexham players, missed the communication. Mm. Yeah, so that's, that's quite possible, isn't it? I know, I know that at, certainly Wrexham managers have had faith in that system because yeah. the horse's mouth... <laughs> <laughs> big part of why Dean Keats would be griping at the fourth official all the time is the belief that the ref can hear everything that he's yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The um I think, and I'm I'm gonna try and justify myself. Um I think I, I, I moan when it's more a matter of either game management or the very rare lack of understanding the rules. Yeah. Is what irks yeah. me. Yeah. Honest decisions are honest decisions, and I've never, yeah. I've honestly never seen a football match where I'm thinking the ref's bent. I might think he's making a lot of bad decisions or guessing a bit, but they're honest decisions, and I can live with them. But um, sometimes things like that, double red at Maiden, Maidstone, of course, where um, Manny Smith's penalised for a tackle in the box. It's after the double jeopardy rule's been brought in. Yeah. Um, he sent off a straight red, but he's. Well, he's trying to tackle the ball. I think it's boardwalk. Yeah. Actually, he did or not? Actually, to be fair to him, but that—that's by the by. That's a judgment call. And then Carrington gets off, sent off for pointing out to the ref that the rules have changed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sort of one gets my goat. But I guess you've yeah. just got to accept it. I mean, for me, you see things sometimes with VAR where people have got a bit of time to judge, and, and still yeah. you think, "Hang on, have you actually interpreted the rules correctly there?" Well, that's that's it. It's 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 always it's always a difficult job. I did it for twenty six years and. Um, now I've you know I moved to England. I fell out with the FA, 
Mm. Welsh FA were, believe it or not, Welsh FA were pretty good to, to work with, always good to me. I was you know, referee on the Welsh Premier League, Cumbria Premier at, at the time, assistant and did games in Europe and, and stuff. Um, you know, it's some, And then when I moved to England, I kind of didn't fit in. Probably my gobby Welsh attitude, they didn't like it. You know, you know what? You know what? There's some fans are like we. Wherever we go, we uh, we say it as we see it, and what we we say what we think. We don't hold back. And we, you know, Neil Barry and um, David Ellery didn't particularly like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to ask you to you know say anything out of line. But David Ellery is someone who comes into my mind sometimes. Oh, I'm thinking the right person. David Ellery is he who was mic'd up for a documentary in the nineties. And was lecturing his linesman beforehand that you don't put your flags up. I'm the referee. Yeah. I make the decisions. Now, I understand the idea of authority, but you sometimes see, like in our game, not always, but some linesmen, you wonder if they've been doing the same thing when the ball goes out right in front of them from a tackle right in front of them and they wait for the ref. Yeah. Yeah. I find that slightly confusing in that context. Yeah. That annoys me. I'll give you an example. A game I did on Saturday was this, observing um, Cheadle Town versus Sandbach. Mm. Cracking game, 4-3 to Cheadle. The, the assistant referee at that level, they're level four referees, so they'll run the line in the Northern Premier League mm. as well. But the linesmen are basically people who just started refereeing. And this linesman said, this is only my second game on the line. So, so the referee briefs them. Went, well, in that case, don't worry about giving free kicks. Let the owners go on the referee to give you free kicks. But as you're going up the levels, there's an expectation where assistants need to get involved with it. I always look at, is it credible? If do they, Are they going to look right if they don't flag for that? Mm-hmm. Um, is the referee in a position where he's going to miss it? Like the sli- slide pull up the side of the handball in front of you where the referee's not going to see it. That's where you need to come in and stand up. But you're right, they tend to look at the referee and referee and that's why I think at conference we get a lot of inconsistency mm. in a game as well. And I always I, I always say that in the commentary, I always think because the number of times, obviously fans are biased, fans will want to crucify a ref yeah. when he's having a cracking game um, and I love it when commentators say oh, you know, both sides are angry with the ref it probably means he's done well then, doesn't it? Because yeah. he's had to give yeah. the decisions correctly. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that always sticks in my head is the you know, those shirt-pulling ones, so often, if you're on one side of it, you're going to see the defender yeah. pulling the striker. If you're on the other side of it, you'll see the striker pulling the defender. And it's, yeah. those are hard. I mean, Dennis Bergkamp was the king of that, I was thought. Yeah. He was really good at pinning a centre-back, backing in. Yeah. Uh, he'd make them grab hold of him because he, he was falling into yeah. it. And he'd be having a tug on the blind side or the linesman's yeah. side. And he'd get the penalty. Um, yeah, that, those sort of things are terribly tough, and you need that help, don't you? Really? Yeah. And, and as a referee, I always like it was easy when you're refereeing the Welsh Premier last season. On there, there's twelve clubs in there, so you get to know the clubs, you get to know the players, you get to know the style of play. And I think I don't think the referees at our level will do the research on the players. Mm. I don't think they. I've, you know, I've been to, when I go back to Wrexham, I go to the club shop a few times. I speak to some of the players. Um, I speak to um, Mullin at the end of last season and he was getting frustrated because he gets pulled and tugged around and he's going to as a centre. He said he expects it. But what frustrates, he said what frustrates him and the other players is they'll go and tell the ref I'm being pulled, I'm being tugged. Mm. Whereas a good referee, and I dare I say I used to do it, is I'd go and say, what am I missing? What? Where do you want me to stand to see what you're telling me? And nine times out of ten, the players would 
just go, oh, oh, oh. so you knew they were trying it on. Yeah. But I think that's you've got to communicate with the players and say to ask the referee to stand where, tell him stand there and you'll see what's going on. They said, but the problem is the referee are, are arrogant. They say, no, no. I, if you want to referee the game, here's a whistle. It's yeah. you know, it's, I get that to a point, but I would like John Lloyd. You probably know John because he does look after the match officials. He was a great referee. He'd always one thing I learned off him was. If you're getting something wrong, the players will tell you. The quiet players will come and tell you quietly. Mm. And they're the things that, as a referee, you look out for on a pitch. And this is where it's important to know your players. Mm. You know, out of the team we've got at the moment, the likes of Palmer and Young, Will, and you know the ones who are going to get in the face of the referee. But someone like Mad Fancine goes up to the referee and goes, come on, ref, what are you doing? You know he's missing something. It's like Hosanna goes up to the referee and goes, listen, ref, you know, you're missing something politely. You know, something yeah. afoot. Yeah. Something like it wasn't me who elbowed that guy in the face of his ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is always, again, you know, the media don't help uh, or no. in the sense that, you know, I'll hold my hands up on that game. Um, I don't have a clue what was going on. The floodlight's quite no. dark. It's on the welcome to Rex. <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> and it's quite funny. All I can say is because that's just been on Welcome to Wrexham and they've got the yeah. commentary on it, and they have really edited that really nicely yeah. to miss out all the bits where I'm saying, "Well, I think he showed a red card there. We haven't got a clue what's yeah. going on." I assessed the referee where well, I can't remember what it was the other week. It was a midweek game somewhere. Um, it was at um, Westerns being trolled, and sorry, I'm name dropping now. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, if, if you have a fancy game in the Manchester area, West Didsbury's one of the best. They, they get crowds of like 600, yeah, yeah. and they've got some cracking chants there as well. <laughs> um, but I said to the referee, you know, use fluorescent cards under floodlights. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I used to know, so use fluorescent under floodlights. Yeah. Well, I got them supplied anyway, but select your card, you know. But, even that fine detail, it yeah. shows you're thinking about the game. You've prepared. That's such a good point, because a number of times in night games, I'm sort of... Yeah. I'm, I'm calling a red card more off the crowd reaction than yeah. what I've seen, because I've seen he's shown a card, I'm not, and I can't quite work out which one, yeah. and it's usually the reaction of the players and the crowd that tell you what to yeah. do. Um, that is fascinating. So when you're assessing, I mean, if... if if you're seeing obviously you're seeing a good performance by a referee, yeah, uh, that's it. Life is sweet. If you see the <laughs> performance that isn't so good, I, I guess you have to be part of a process of feeding that yeah. back and helping them to improve. It, yeah, and, and that's it. It's it's about development. It's we all get things wrong. Um, it's finding out why they got it wrong. Is it's okay? It's like a couple of weeks ago, um, the referee the game, he missed an elbow. Player come up, elbowed him. He, everyone was going up, and I thought, and he missed. He didn't send the lad off, yeah. and it just turned out it was just something to do with his positioning. He was a new referee at that level, uh, never really worked with liners properly before. Mm. So it's a case of why have you got? I was well, why have you got it wrong? Um, and it's and I had one a couple of, again. It was sort of last season, missed a two-footed challenge. And he said, my head went, he just honestly said, there was a lot going on. It was a lot going on in the game. It was a Cheshire League game. 
And I don't like doing going too low down with assessing because it's like doing Welsh National League games, like like a similar compared to like a Rose Pen Kai game, mm. you know, blood snot and everything. Okay. And he said that you just it lost concentration. He lost one moment of concentration and it just lost it for the game. And it's a case of picking him back up. You know, you've got to mark him. Our marking system is. I'll, I'll send you a copy of um, a couple of reports if you want, just of what I've done. So you can get the, the marking system on the National League is different to what I use. Um, we mark competencies at a seven, at a 10, sorry, so seven's at the standard and the 7.5 and you move up and it creates a mark out of 100. Whereas on the National League, the last time I saw it is uh, they get a difficulty rating and it's if they've had a, it's a straightforward game, it's 8.4, um, and if they've missed an obvious mistake, they get 7.9. So, But again, the referees sometimes will referee to the assessor and for the marks. Mm. Also, I mean, in a game at a lower level, there's no way to go back on it. Is there an issue no. of, you know, did I see that right? Or, you know, if you say you missed yeah. an elbow there, and the ref says that definitely wasn't an elbow. Yeah. I was closer than you. It's a yeah. diplomatic I, job in that sense. And, and, and that's what I do is that sometimes the advantage is like Cheadle on Saturdays have got a massive stand so you get a, a great view of it. Some of these games you go to is you literally, it's like Gresford Athletic. Yeah. You can walk, you walk around and mm. sometimes you're, you're at the far end of the pitch. So what I look at is, was the referee in a good position? Did he give it confidently? Mm. Did he sell it to the players? And then I look at the players' reactions, and then that gives you, and then that gives you an idea of, yeah. you know, is there any development needed there, or you know, do you need? Is it a big strong pat on the back? Well done. Mm. That's interesting, isn't it? The, the handball shout Wrexham had on Saturday. Yeah. Um. The players, re- I, I try to look at players' reactions as much as yeah. I can. You know, you can see a fake one or one where one guy is yeah. an appeal and the others are joining in. Um, or most tellingly when nobody joins in. Yeah. But um the handball one was a weird one because they all yeah. went up straight away spontaneously. Yeah. And, and they all weird. stopped. Yeah. They stopped expecting it. And that's what let mm. South End in a in a way. Yeah. Because yeah. they all stopped and they're all like, well, are we getting that or not? And then South End went, mm. we're carrying on. Although I have to be honest, from the one angle that we got, uh, yeah. I, I just tried to zoom in on the highlights and slow it down. And I, it doesn't look like a handball to me. I've got to be honest. So, oh well, but you know, nonetheless, it's a tough job, isn't it? Now, you you had yeah. a you you had a link with Dean Saunders as well, which I'm yeah. fascinated about. Yeah, it was quite funny because how that came about was, um, like I said, roughly on the Welsh Premier League, and I've done European games. Um, you know, I've even refereed a game in the League of Ireland on the exchange programme, <laughs> uh, which, which was really funny. Um, I, I, you know Geraint Parrot. We all know Geraint, oh, yeah. don't we? <laughs> you know, if you're, you're not a fan if you don't know Geraint. Because <laughs> um, I was refereeing, I, I did quite a lot with the club anyway. But they were under the impression, because when they got into the National League, they got told by, funny enough, by a ref- an English referee, who's now on the Football League, that they can only have English match officials and not to use Welsh officials. So I looked into this and it was incorrect because I was not at the time as a level one referee in Wales. I was at the top of the top of the pyramid. You you could. So I went together, I went, listen, you're forking out hundred and the, these referees are coming down and doing the behind closed doors practice games. Mm. So you're forking out eighty pound a referee in expenses. 
250 quid a game for these practice games. Me and a few mates will do it if you let us in the games for free. <laughs> and he went, so that's what we used to do. So I used to referee all their practice games and their friendlies for free and just go in through, through the players' entrance and sit in sit with the where the players sit, yeah. or just go sit in the stand. Mm. Um, and it was it was a good deal for me because I was watching the team I support for free and I was yeah. getting involved. <laughs> so Dean, so this was when Brian Little was manager. So Dean Saunders took up takes over, and he loves it. He's got this. He thinks I'm his personal referee. <laughs> and a couple of things with Dean. One that stands out was I was laughing. I'd been refereeing a local game. I remember it vividly. I was refereeing at Roche. And it was half past one kickoff. Rex were playing Ebb's Fleet in the FA Trophy. I think it was a whatever round it was. Yeah, yeah. And I get there just on half time. I walk in. Dean said, I'm glad I've been looking for you. Where are you? I go, What's up, Dean? Because he used to bring me or him and Brian Carey to discuss some refereeing stuff. He goes, I think it was the, the lino's gone down. We need you. Get on there. So. I go to the referee's room. I said, you know, I'm here. I'm a referee. I've actually got my kit in the car outside. <laughs> <laughs> and how lucky was that? Yeah. Uh, he went, brilliant. So what level do you referee? So I just explained it. Went, brilliant. So Dean's in the changing room now. We've got the assessor coming down. It was Eddie Wilson stood. If you remember yeah. him refereeing. Yeah. Uh, little Eddie. Ed, they called him, uh, Ed, was it Eddie? Lo- Ed, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Eddie Lomas it was. Oh, yeah, Eddie, yeah. Nicknamed Eddie Lomax. <laughs> um, so, so he's in there and he's going, yeah, great. But Dean's saying, why? Because I said I'll go fourth official. Because mm. and Dean's there going, why is he going fourth official? Dean's trying to tell the assessor and the referee, <laughs> saying to the referee, you've got to come off now, and Mike's got to go on referee the game because <laughs> Mike's my referee. <laughs> <laughs> and then. All, all, all game, he was like, Mike, get out there. Get out there. Mike, tell him. He's missed that. You would have... Sorry, my, my, my dog. No, that's cool. <laughs> oh, and if you hear some chickens in the background, I'm just outside. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, whistles for the dog. I've not, not got an urgent game to referee. <laughs> <laughs> so, he, he's there now. They won one. They'll wreck some. Yeah. So, he's, he's there. Dean, you've got to understand that I'm not your personal referee. Yeah. Um, another occasion, I stood with Adrian, actually, police officer. So, police officer and referee, as you can see, I'm a well liked person. <laughs> I moved from North Wales, PCSO in North Wales, and I joined GMP as a full time police officer around 2008, 2009. But I can't remember where it was, but I was in the middle of a training session, and I get four, four or five missed calls off Dean Saunders. I'm thinking, so I sneak out, I go, Dean, what do you want? He goes, uh, the centre forward Jefferson Louis just been locked up. <laughs> <laughs> can can you go down to the? Can you come with me to Hounslow now and bail him out? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, oh, <laughs> oh, yeah no, he, he wasn't. He, he, he was. He was a, a character, and you'd mm. be up there and you'd referee a practice game. And you go and have something to eat. And I remember Garrett coming in with the wage slips and then saying to the players, lining the players up, it was a bit kind of emulating Brian Clough in a way, I think. Mm. But lining the players up, saying, all right, Mark, uh, here's your wage slip. Tell me what you've done to earn your wages this week. And you'd have to say, you know, I've done this, boss, I've done that. Mm. 
No, you haven't. Throw the waste slip out the window. <laughs> Thank you, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that. But no, when, when, when he was there, it, it, you know, it, it was good. Refereeing-wise, I, I learned a lot of him because as a referee, you know, I'd referee the games and I'd ask him and Brian Carey and, and Joey was there as well. You know, I'm not saying how good was I or how bad was I, you know, where can I learn from that? Yeah. And, it, you know, and little things that he would tell me I'd bring into my game. But as a result of that, um, I used to, I refereed all their pre-season friendlies. Mm-hmm. One season, all by one. And I'll tell you a little, uh, I'll make a little referee confession now. The ref, <laughs> ref fan with, with Dean. I played, I don't know if you remember, I think it was 2010. They played Man City in a friendly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it was the last friendly before the league started. Mm-hmm. So I was refereeing it, and Dean was there to try. And, and Dean said, "Listen, we we need to win this one. You know, we, we need to give the lads a boost going into the going into the season." I said, "Listen, I, you know, it's a friendly. I've got I've got my own credibility to think of. You know, as a referee, you know, even though it's a friendly, I'm still governed by the laws and yeah. the FA. But so in the game." City brought a youth side. I remember Casper Michael being in goal. Mm-hmm. They were a pain in the petulant, you know, youth yeah. school teacher or police officer. You, you, you know, when you just wanted to walk off and go, listen, I'm not here for that. <laughs> so in the end, 80, 87th minute, I thought, how can I deal with this? So I said to uh, Adrian Chiselvich, who was playing on the wing, I said, go in on Schmeichel because he's, he's really getting Make it look good, but go down. So he did, and I give a penalty, and we won two one. <laughs> Beautiful. So, of course, of course um, Casper Michael's now going off his. <laughs> and I can't remember who was with City at the time, so I'm laughing to myself. Since mm-hmm. I'm just laughing to myself coming off now, and I'm thinking, I've, you've, I've just, I've just stitched you all up now, and, and Dean's like, nice one, Mike, nice one, you know, good, you know. So, so in, and to be fair to Casper. I got in the referee's changing room. I can't remember who was on the line for the, anyway, with whoever the manager was or the coach. I went, listen, Casper, I know it was a 50-50 penalty. I know. But what you got to look at, I'm honestly, I'm a Rexham fan. I'm refereeing these games for free because the club's financially struggling or they need the money. We're all doing, we're, all of us were doing it for free, giving our time up. I'm a Rexham fan. We're playing City. We beat you 2-1. That's going to put a few hundred on the gate first home game of the season. So yeah. I've done it for a football reason. And he, he had it in a way. Yeah. Because I think I mentioned before, because I was explained to him when I was coming back from the Faroe Islands in 1997, Peter Schmeichel was on the same flight as me. Yeah. <laughs> and I, it was the time the back pass law rules changed. Mm-hmm. I was sitting on the plane next to Schmeichel trying to explain this new back pass law to him, which was entertaining. <laughs> Well, you find that. I mean, I, I got to confess, I remember explain. I won't say who, but explaining to two Wrexham centre-backs that you can't go through the man to play the ball. This is a fair while ago, but certainly not straight after that rule. That rule had been in for a couple of years, yeah. and they were, they were confused. I think a player from the other side had been sent off. And they were saying, "Ah, oh, but he got to the ball," and, and I had to explain to them both, "Yeah, but he went straight through the man to get to the yeah, ball." Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's yeah. a foul. Uh, and 
do you, do you feel I feel quite frustrated when I see pundits on TV and managers talk? I know managers will say what suits them and players. Do you not sometimes think I'm I'm dealing with people who actually don't know what the rules are and therefore yeah. it gets yeah. tricky. And, and and that's it. That's the frustrating thing about it is, you know, I referee that referee in 1989. Mm. Uh, I always remember the first game was some Bradley versus Kyle Gurley on Bradley Park number three, and I live. Right by that pitch as well, because I live, live on the park, we'll say, down by Alan Waters there. And you pass the exam, and then you go to meetings and you re- keep refreshing your knowledge. And you, so you've got, I've got that uh, like finite detail of the laws of the game where, you know, know the obscurities, but the players and commentators, not so much yourself, but on the, the, the telly, they don't know the laws, so they'll say something. Mm. And then all of a sudden, that's the law. It's yeah. like this 30 seconds for a booking, you know, added time, you've got to add 30 seconds yeah. of booking. That's, that's, that's not in the laws. That's yeah. come from nowhere. It's because somebody somewhere has said, oh, yeah, they'll add 30 seconds on for a booking. And then everyone thinks, right, we've had four, but what, six bookings. Why are we only playing two minutes added time? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, as well, I mean, it seems to me that, you know, different competitors, say the Premier League or. Well, maybe not IFAB, but you know they'll give sort of guidances without changing yeah. the rules, almost like yeah. the suggestion this season that in the Premier League let games flow more. And I, I'm not a big fan of that. I sort of feel like, you know, if a player decides to go in and chop somebody, you got to it's 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 in his hands, yeah. not the refs. And when you're saying let more things flow, well, that means you're sort of telling referees, well, if you think it's a foul, don't give it. You still yeah. think it's a foul, and the same with yeah. VAR. That this whole, you know, the idea of clear and obvious. So I do get that in concept, but I think it's very hard for a ref in a VAR booth, yeah, looking at something, thinking, "Well, that is a penalty, actually," but I'm going to tell him it's not because I've got to make this vague judgment on how clear or obvious yeah. it is. You know, I find yeah. that referees put in very tricky situations like that. Yeah. And if you ever go to uh, a referees meeting, mm. I, I think North East Wales referees meeting, they meet at Brumbo Creek now. Yeah. But I'm sure that if you, I don't know who's in charge, but I'm sure they'll welcome you, somebody like yourself along. You go and you'll they'll put a video up of mm-hmm. incidents and you'll get a 50-50 split down the, the room. And you go yeah. to um, like sort of referees meetings nationally and you get a 50-50 split mm. down the room. Of referees, so that then going to transcend onto a football pitch. Yeah, and then when you don't, sorry, sorry, yeah, you got me on one of my bugbears. Go on, you carry on. Yeah, <laughs> and and then you've got the players, the officials, and uh, not the officials, the players and the managers and the, the spectators who don't particularly know the laws. They're getting wrong information, and then that's yeah, that's it, it's very harsh, and as well, one of the reasons I, I, I must admit, I was always, I'm not saying VAR shouldn't be in. I, I think no. it, it has to be now. The genie's out the bottle. But yeah. there are some areas of it that I think it doesn't, you know, replaying no. an incident doesn't fit the rules, you know? Cricket yeah. it works beautifully because you are yeah. playing tennis. It's matters of fact. It's matters of where did the ball hit something. Yeah. Whereas in football, what is acceptable force? What is. You know, how do you gauge a shirt tug having an effect on a player or not, for example? I mean, yeah. it's and, and especially I do sometimes it looks it certainly looks like 
referees go to the screen and they're shown a stealth picture. I said, well, that's, yeah. that's genuinely. Yeah. I mean, you can. I, 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 yeah, I, I think you can turn VAR on his head like like cricket mm. have, um, where the captain can go, actually, mm. ref, you got that wrong. Can we review it? And they get yeah. a certain number of reviews a game, and yeah. it, it's accepted like they do sometimes in rugby. They'll the play will go on for a minute or so. They'll review it and go, actually, no, we'll start back to it. Yeah. And, I, and then, you put, like in cricket, you're putting the onus then mm. on the players to understand the laws of the game a bit better. Yeah. Um, and then it's like in cricket, you know, England the other week wasted three reviews, <laughs> and then oh, like that Australia one when they, um, I think they wasted three reviews and still got his massive knock. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lion got, I think it was Stokes mm. or whatever, LBW, and it was out. Yeah. And the umpire went, Well, you wasted your reviews, don't blame me. Yeah, yeah, and exactly right. I, 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 I like that idea. I also think there's a few things in cricket that. We could sort of learn in terms of finessing yeah. VAR things like those absolutely marginal offside calls. I, I yeah. can't, I can't abide those for the simple reason no. that you know the, the footage isn't good enough, the, the, the no. frame rate isn't fast enough, and uh, although they'll say, "Oh yeah, we can measure that," you, you can't measure within a millimeter no. like that. Um, no. And to me, having a you know umpire's call line either side would be, yeah. I, I think, you know, step yeah, ref- decision. Yeah, re- you know, referee's call. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I've got it. Uh, you know what? I, we'll, we'll have to finish it now, I guess. But yeah, I no worries. Keep talking to you for for hours upon hours here. I'm telling yeah, you, no worries. Um, it's an absolute pleasure to chat to you. And um, I didn't even get to my real bugbear of refs not showing yellow cards at the start of games, which does drive me insane. Uh, yeah, and I'm, yeah. I'm angry with myself though I haven't done as long as, it's a, <laughs> as long as it's a fluorescent one in the floodlights. Precisely, exactly. Well, yeah. Knowing that my big questions, the one I haven't asked, means it's a, tr- it's it means you'll have to come back on sometime. That's no worries. I, I will any time, Mark. And I'm down on Saturday. Oh, I'm just, um, the domestic golden commanders in the garden. In fact, he's hanging up her Wrexham shirt. Very oh, good, and a nice cat in the background. In fact, I, and I had a, a my cat did visit, didn't get on the picture. Yeah. Bless her. Yeah, I got. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's Ralphie. I've got five cats, three chickens, and two dogs. Oh, good work. Excellent. Makes my makes my three cats look a bit disappointing. Yeah, I'm, da- <laughs> I'm down on side. If, if I've got any spare, I'll uh, I'll try and get you some eggs. Oh, <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. Thank you very much. Oh, brilliant. Well, Mike, it's been brilliant. No worries. Thanks for joining us, and we'll, we'll have to do this again sometime soon as Definitely. well. Hi, guys. I'm Dominic Bowes, and uh, this is Dragonheart. Well, we're going to carry on with our new rivalry section, which is a, a way for new fans from America or wherever around the world to find out a bit more about the club, a bit more about our rivalries, and a good way for long-lasting fans to reminisce on, uh, say, good times and bad times, really. But today, we're going to talk about, well... When we're in the same league, it's the biggest game on the on the calendar for both sides. It's the big cross-border derby, the North Wales derby, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Rex and V Chester. When we're in the same league, Bill, it, even when we're in League Two, if we're in the, when we played each other in the conference, it's probably the biggest, most hyped-up game in the league, really. 
Yeah, I, th- I think it, it's it's one of those that everybody in Wrexham is aware of when that game's on, regardless of whether you hate football or love football or whatever your opinion on the game is. You, you all know. Uh, oh, just to, to sort of, we, we we'll get onto the football in a minute, but just to talk about like the the rivalry between the the two the two teams. It, it's it's a strange strange one in a lot of ways, but to put a bit of context, I remember when I was sixteen, uh, I was working in a shoe shop in town, and I worked on Sundays, and the matches were moved to Sundays to stop, uh, you know, to try and prevent the violence that may may or may not occur afterwards, uh, and and I you know I managed to book it off, but the the shop was closed anyway. I mean, people were working inside, they were setting things up, but all, the whole of town was closed to, to stop any potential uh, fighting going on and, you know, shots being broken into or whatever. Uh, that was the, I think that game was the first time that we played each other in, in years because we'd gone down to League Two and they'd come up from the conference. And uh, uh, I think it's maybe the first time within my um, sort of recollection where Wrexham and Chester played at home in the league and it was just... Uh, the atmosphere was just unreal. Uh, Mark, you, you know, you, you're a bit more eloquent than me. How, how would you describe Wrexham and Chester as a, as a, a rivalry, a footballing rivalry? Uh, um, I, will, I will defer to someone more eloquent than me. And WD, uh, WB Yates described Ireland as a terrible beauty. And I think I'd probably describe it as that. It's scary <laughs> playing Chester. Well, it's scary in that you don't feel totally safe, but it's also scary in the sense that you just do not want to lose. Uh, it's exciting because if you do beat them, it's the sweetest thing. And you're quite right. Chester could be very poor. It doesn't matter. Batter them. You know, we could be mm-hmm. poor. Yeah, but if we beat them, it does boost our season a bit. Um, and I think part of it as well is the... The fact that I really struggle to think of derbies, proper ferocious derbies that are played across a border. Um, mm. I'm, I'm not saying it's not the it, it's the only one in the world. Strictly speaking, you could say Monaco's games are, but I've been to a Monaco home game. There is no atmosphere unless the away fans bring it. Um, I, I do accept for American listeners, they might argue about Cascadia and Vancouver coming over the border, and, and that's a fair comment. And I, I've seen the atmosphere of games up there as well, so I respect that. But uh, the Wrexham rivalry with Chester goes back into the 1880s and is a, a cross-border tiff, uh, you know, as anyone who saw the Welcome to Wrexham introduction to Welsh culture. You know, we are, in a way, identified by not being English. And Wrexham v Chester is much more of a, a sort of representation of that than when the South Walian teams play the Bristol teams, for example, because Wrexham is, what, five miles off the border? Chester's just about the same on the other side, tiny bit more. 12 miles between us, 20 minutes in a car between the grounds, plus that like I said, almost international sense. Uh, you know, I think that gives it a bit of extra spice, doesn't it? And, and I think, you know, you look at Wrexham as a town, maybe till, until quite recently, till Rob and Ryan have actually taken over, and you look at Chester as a city, Yeah. you know, it, it's two different stories, isn't it? Chester is a beautiful place to visit, in all fairness. It, it's, it's a very, there's a lot of people with a lot of money in Chester, a lot of people... <laughs> Merseyside come down for their nights out. Chester's a lovely place to visit. It's a nice night out. It's it's there's a lot of hi- beautiful history in Chester as well. And you go to Rex, which is a, 
a blue collar, hard working, no frills town, isn't it? In many ways. So for me as fans, I'd see it as it was like, you know, maybe not so much this day and age, but now it was like the working class versus a, a town with a lot, a city of a lot of class. It was, you know, Rex and Chess is very us and them, isn't it, Bill? It's, it, even though we're only 10 miles apart, we have different accents, there's a big difference in culture between two clubs and very, a lot of similarities as well up until quite recently too, which yeah. we'll divulge into later. Yeah, there's, there's, um, there was a, I can't remember the magazine, I think it was 442, but, but they did a fantastic article sort of following fans from Rex and Manchester years ago. So if you wanted to, to read about what that uh, rival was, rivalry was more like, say, 10, 15 years ago in terms of the atmosphere of, of when Wrexham was a little bit more down on its luck in terms of the town, I think, I think you could argue that there's, there's a little bit of rejuvenation going on in Wrexham compared to then. And uh, Ch- you know, Chess, is a, like you say, is a very nice city. Uh, but the the there was a bit more of a stark contrast between the two places back then, and that that article really sort of highlights it. But in terms of what it's like now, it's a it's a very strange derby in some ways. You know, Chester is an English city completely. The ground's located in Wales, though, which makes yeah. it really interesting. <laughs> you know, that if you go on Google Maps and you find Chester's ground, it's mostly in Flintshire. Uh, just though literally on the border some of the grounds in England some of the grounds in Wales and uh, uh, if you if you went to a, a, a Chester match and asked their fans whether they were Welsh or English though uh, I don't think you'd get many that would say that they were Welsh so it's a uh, it, that that aspect of it is it adds a little bit of well just a bit of humour if nothing else um, what, what? Well, does, don't you think that that just sums up the importance of symbolism with football fans and also Frankly, as football mirrors society, the importance of symbolism with people. I mean, yeah, their grounds on the border. Oh, so Wrexham fans can't stop telling them their grounds in Wales. Other clubs will make fun of Chester by singing "You're just a small team from Wales" because they know it gets under their skin. Um, you know, it's it's just that classic thing of winding up the neighbour, um, and that sort of thing is important to people even if it's trivial just to just to sort of the the, the narkiness you can get going with them um it, it's also uh that like Che alluded to very similar histories between the clubs in recent years because both of them went very close to going out of business at the hands of owners who you know I don't want to say anything that'll get us sued but certainly owners who were not uh did not have the best interest of the clubs at heart and the situations we got into were very similar but even that in the end becomes a point of pride or a point to attack because you know Wrexham in the mid 80s very nearly went out of business but the fans rallied together and managed to keep it going that was just because we were in the depression or semi-depression 80s were tough in Britain uh then we had our ownership problems in the the middle of the 2000s uh and we could easily have gone under and the fans rallied amazingly and then we could have gone under again about five or six years later and again the fans rallied enormously and with Chester they didn't save the club the club went out of business and then became what we call a phoenix club so they started divisions down they managed fortunately to keep the ground which was good but they had to basically the, the, the club 
stopped existing and they had to start again at a lower level with the fans running it. Um, and although I've got to say from my point of view, the Chester fans did the right thing because these are totally different situations. Uh, a Chester would was so fundamentally damaged as a business, it wasn't really savable. But that becomes that symbolic thing for Wrexham fans, doesn't it? Oh, you let your club die. We didn't. We fought it. It is very true that we fought it, and it's brilliant that we did. But I think, to be fair to Chester, they we would have gone the same way in 2004, five, um, were it not for a mistake made by the owner, um, which is covered in Welcome to Wrexham. And they didn't have their owner make a mistake. So we didn't go the way they did. But I don't think there was any other option for them. But that doesn't matter, does it? Facts don't matter in a rivalry. <laughs> Wind the other guys up, you're going to do it. <laughs> and, you know, fair play to them. They, they, they uh, created that new club. They mm. climbed up the ladder and beat us the first time we played them, yeah. which was, you know, a hard, hard pill to take. You know, we look back at games very fondly looking I was we're going to speak in a minute we're going to talk about Chester games that we think are very fondly but that first game where they came back and beat us you know for me shows why beautiful why football is such a beautiful sport because it's mm. such full show full of twists and turns and you know Chester who were a newly founded club and all fairness climbed at the ladder we just come back from having two fantastic seasons and dropped off a little bit we then lose to them that was a hard day, wasn't it, Bill? Yeah, sorry, my dog's attacking my uh, uh, bag, and I think it's just... <laughs> just a fan, by any chance? Yeah. No, I, I Down think... Down McNally. Oh, I think look at him. he's just uh, a little bit agitated here. <laughs> Down McNally, you know, <laughs> controversial, <laughs> man. He's even got curly hair, a bit like a uh, uh, McNally, no. Uh, I think maybe just the, hearing the word Chester set him off. <laughs> I might cut that out. Uh, anyway... Uh, <laughs> No. Repeat the question, Shay, because I'm just lost in, in dog noise. Well, uh, we're, we're, you know, we're going to talk about a little bit of recent history, really, where Chester flew up the the pyramid. We played them the first time. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not going to give them any credit. They can <laughs> they can all get stuffed. It's Chester. I'm not going to give them a single bit. I don't care if we're on Dragon Art and we're supposed to be impartial. <laughs> no. Uh, look, for, for any team to do what they've what they did, uh, they they went on a real run that, that ha- has to be praised. They flew up the leagues. Uh, it was three three promotions in a row or something like that. That hasn't really happened in the same way since clubs like Berry and Darlington have gone bust and not quite done. That you know they probably they've done well but not quite flown up the way Chester did. They did have a real momentum behind them, and I think fan ownership was something that uh, that that both clubs really benefited from. But obviously they they did as well, and and. I think there's just something about football that when a team has gone through the things that we've gone through and and then get a bit of success, it it just really adds something to those rivalry games. I think if we were to go up and play Shrewsbury or Crewe or some of the other teams that we're going to talk about in the future, I wouldn't want to be the fans of those teams because we're going to be coming with the, the, the momentum. And that's what happened with Chester in those first couple of games. And then eventually, after the not almost like the novelty of the game worn off, we started taking control again, didn't we? Well, I, I mean, I, I agree. I think they deserve praise for the fact that in recent years, 
yeah, and, and since they've reformed, they've had some really memorable victories, which sort of illustrates one of the cliches about derby matches, which is that league form doesn't matter. So Wrexham have been finishing higher than them in the leagues, and yet they have often got quite shocking results against us, last-minute winners, two seasons in a row at Chester. Uh, they're that 2-0 win at ours where both their goal, well, one goal scored by an ex-Rexham player, the other by a future Rexham player. Um, and yeah, they've had these spectacular results. But then I was I was looking at the runs and results in history, and there's three consecutive ones that really stand out for me. Um, although although the consecutive, they do have a bit of a gap between them. There's the one that Chester fans, if, if this was a Chester podcast, they'd be all over. St. Milner's Day, which, oh, I couldn't believe. And this is the classic example of the league form doesn't matter. Wrexham are going for promotion into the championship, the second level. We had Gary Bennett, ex-Chester player, just to make it even better, who was couldn't stop scoring. He'd end that season top scoring in the whole country, nearly 50 goals against Chester, who had collapsed from the very start of the season. And were virtually relegated already, even though it was February. Uh, they really were way adrift. And and Elder Rexham fan, oh, the, the anticipation at the race course was, oh, you couldn't believe it. People for days and days going on, oh, God, we're going to put six past them. We're going to put seven past them. And um, we get a penalty. Gary Bennett takes it. Gary Bennett's amazing taker of penalties. Misses it, of course. Um, but he does get another penalty and scores that. And we're looking comfortable. They start to lose their heads. Two of their players get sent off. It's 2-1 to us, and incredibly, Mel Pedgick, a great centre-back for us, who was good on the ball, decided for, for no obvious reasons to try and thread a really dangerous pass right up the middle of the pitch between their two strikers, gave it away, and Chester equalised and drew at ours, and drawing a Wrexham of nine men in a season when they were terrible is their great day as Andy Milner scored a goal, still known as St Milner's Day to Chester fans. They still sing about it now. You know, that one result can switch things around. Although, again, we got our revenge. The next game we won was probably our most famous recent win when Carl Connolly scored two goals at Chester in the Cup live on TV to knock them out. And then which the one is, after in, that. In context, Mark, sorry just to butt in, but yeah. Wrexham games during that period, there was no there was no deal. It was only because it was such a big game in the yeah. FA Cup that it was even put up to the FA Cup. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was even put on TV. So there's a lot more football on TV now than then. So that's, yeah, so it was a lot more significant, wasn't it? And absolutely. And then seven years later, the next time we played them, at the race course, oh, sorry, at Chester, and we win 1-0 in the LDV Vans. Yeah. First goal yeah. for the club by a guy called Wanu Garte, who uh, goes on that season to score a lot of goals, and we win that trophy. So... You know, that, that that sequence of three games just shows, even though they were spaced out a little bit, how important these games can mean to us. Because Connolly's game, and especially his first goal, which was spectacular, I mean, that's one of the great memories of the last 30 years for Wrexham fans. Uh, you know, Ugarte starting his goal-scoring run at Chester has a bit more symbolism because it's there. But then they had Milner's Day. These games are, they naturally have a, a slightly epic feel to them. Yeah, there was also the 150-year season where we lost some at their place, which was from a last-minute goal, which was, uh, well, it's it's now sort of a, a massive meme. There's been loads of memes from that game, from bootlegger. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. 
yeah, you know, which has made appearances in the, in the documentary. I'd suggest people go and look up what actually happened before the game. There, it was very unsavory. I think when the, I think in modern times, it's been a what's called a bubble match where fans who can only travel to the game if they've got a ticket and they literally get shift. Uh, they have to get picked up at the Rexmans ground, go to the Chester's ground, and then go straight home. That was that sort of killed off the derby in recent times. But yeah. It, it's such a fascinating game. I think in world football, it's a very unique game. Wales v England, you know, rich a rich city versus a poor town. Well, not poor, but, you know, a working class town. But now let's, I reckon now what we should ask now is, Mark, your least favourite Chester game, Wrexham Chester yeah. game, and your favourite Wrexham Chester game. Oh, well, I've already talked about the least favourite because that St. Yeah. Milner's Day was heartbreaking. And speaking as a teacher... And I, I swear to God, this is true. Or certainly, it is true in terms of what people have admitted. That the one Chester fan, one openly Chester fan that I've ever taught, was in school then. <laughs> and I, I, she was a she was a brave girl. To be fair, she actually turned up for. for well, I used to take the girls' football team, um, and she used to turn up for training in a Chester shirt. And, <laughs> and I think a big part of it was just to gold me. Uh, it was really funny. But of all the times when I've actually got a Chester supporting pupil in school, I swear to God, no other Chester fan has ever surfaced in the school in all the years I've been there. Um, yeah, it was then. Oh, she enjoyed that. I can promise you. But oh, the way we threw it away was horrible. Missing a penalty, giving away an equaliser against nine men. That, that's definitely my least favourite. Um, my favourite one... Um, you know what? I thought I'd have loads of examples. <laughs> Looking back, I was thinking, I'm not sure I'd do. Um, I have a very clear recollection of one, which was 1985. And I'd convinced my cousin, because she used to go to my nan's house Saturday night, and I'd go there. We'd match match of the day together. And I, and I convinced her that going to football was the best thing ever, and that she should come to a match. So 1985, my dad and I took her to a Wrexham game. I don't think she's been to a game since since then in her life. I'm not aware of it. Um, we kind of put her off because it was Wrexham Chester. I remember really clearly driving past St Mary's Cathedral and having to stop at the lights, but not because of the lights, but because of uh, two blokes rolling across the road fighting. <laughs> and so it was <laughs> literally... Um, <laughs> And I saw, I remember at the time looking in the back of the car and she was there like wide-eyed thinking, ooh. And um, we went to the game. There's a ferocious atmosphere. I want to say it was the game where a bloke jumped out of the um, Chester end and ran the whole length of the pitch to try and get into the cop uh, on his own while the match was going on. I don't think it was, but I want to conflate those two things because I just want to mention the fact that the next week, the Wrexham Mail, which no longer exists, possibly because of this level of journalism, got an exclusive interview with the Chester fan who got out the away end and ran to the cop and was pulled down off the fencing. And when they asked him, why did you do it? He said, because I wanted to get my head kicked in, which I thought was one of the most fascinating interviews into one of the great minds I'd ever read. Um, but it was a ferocious game on and off the pitch. And... I, I remember we won it 2 0. It was pretty comfortable. The scorers were Andy Edwards, who was in the same school as me when I was a pupil, 
and Jim Steele, my all-time favourite player. So I was there purring away at how this is this is how football should be, red in tooth and claw, and then you know my, your favourite players score, the lad that you know from school scores. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, this is brilliant. My, my cousin, I think, decided at that point football wasn't for her. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that would either make people really into it or really turn them off. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bill, what are your two least favourite and favourite? Um, I kind of feel that whatever I say is my least favourite is probably going to be, I've got a choice of two and you'd probably take the other one because it's between, it's between two of them. So if I say one, you'll probably know what I mean and you can go with the other one. Um, it's kind of weird because even though I'm a, I'm a bit old and chill, I'm 33 and, and Wrexham have played chess a, a little bit during that time. I, since I've been supporting Wrexham, We've not actually played them a huge amount. So I started going to games regularly when I was 16. So I just missed a Ugarte game. Uh, and my first game was a, was a game at home uh, a couple of seasons after that. Least favourite is probably the game that you mentioned, Che, when uh, uh, the, the famous bootlegger meme uh, season, when we went, we went to theirs, we went 1-0 up very early. The atmosphere was absolutely ferocious. That Some of... And I must stress, it was a very small minority, but some of their fans uh, sung some pretty disgusting songs during a minute's silence. Uh, you know, and it was about it was about a, a local fan who passed away and it was just completely unnecessary. So that soured the atmosphere. They went and got two goals and one of them being in the last two or three minutes to go and win. Uh, not only was it horrible because of the fact that we'd lost to a last minute goal when we'd gone up, you know, the, the whole the whole everything around it was just was just awful. Uh, so that wasn't particularly uh, a particularly good memory of playing Chester. And then my favourite game is probably a, a couple of seasons after that when we beat them 3-0. And I don't think there was anything necessarily significant about the game. We were probably favourites. We were playing some good football at the time. Uh, but you'll be able to correct me, Mark. Rob Evans scored one and assisted one, didn't he, I think? Yeah. And uh, Rob yeah. Evans, for those of you who don't know, was a local lad who, who'd come through the youth system and was wrecking through and through. So for him to have a significant part in, in beating them was was a uh, was great, and and I think just because I wasn't overly nervous about that game, but beating them three 0 just felt really cathartic, and it was just it felt like we would not only due beating them because we had beaten the season previous, but we were really due giving them a thrashing, weren't we, Che? Yeah, was that the one where their fan recorded us score? Did we score a penalty that game? Yes. Yeah, it was the first goal was a penalty, wasn't it? Caden Jackson. And their, yeah, their fans recorded, one of their fans recorded, and the Wrexham fans are just going absolutely berserk. And it, I, I need to find that video somewhere because that was really cool at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll go on to my favourite. My favourite, no, my least favourite first, I would probably would say the 150-year. But I uh, just for argument's sake, the year they went up, for the first time, you know, we had such a, you know, two seasons before that, we had the 98-point season. The season before that, we had the FA Trophy. And, you know, we were coming into this new season with a big hangover, weren't we, that year, Mark? Would you agree? Of, you know, recruitment wasn't quite right. Well, that was the Gary Mills season, wasn't it? No, that was the Andy Morrell season. The, the graph oh, shit. Yeah, it was the season Andy Morrell got um, sacked, I believe. Right. I think it might not be. 
but I could be wrong. No, it was, it was quite. It was quite earlier in the in the season. It was when Junior and Tami was playing, and he was really like. Oh, yeah, that, we, we this were is the home Shen. game. Yeah, yeah, the home okay. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you. Yeah, yeah. That was a really tough game because you know that they outsung us. The atmosphere was a bit poor. Our fans didn't really behave very well. Uh, yeah, it was one I really didn't enjoy. But my favourite, I've got to say, is my first ever Wrexham Chester away game and this season Chester were a better side than us we were awful we were pretty much already relegated we had a goalkeeper who used to play for Chester called Gavin Ward who I think had the, the game of his life and Mark knows this and Bill knows this my favorite Wrexham goalkeeper of all time is Gavin Ward even though he wasn't that good really he was a bit of a veteran he, he was a cracking you know he was a cracking keeper but he had a good character about him. We used to sing Chester Reject to him. And yeah, we were really poor that season. And they had a goal disallowed. I think Bill didn't... I was sitting with you, and they? They had a goal disallowed from a corner or something. Yeah, it was weird. So the, I think that it was given for offside. But uh, uh, Kevin Ellison, who, who, who still plays these days, bald Scouse winger, who... You had a bit of banter, to be fair to him. You, you got to give it. He was giving the Wrexham fans a bit of stick, but it was all quite light-hearted. He put the ball ahead of the corner spot, like but right, right in front of the Wrexham fans, yeah. and by quite some distance, it was a good yard forward. And we were quite lucky that it was given for an offside because it should have been disallowed for that. Really, he shouldn't have been allowed to have taken the corner, but he got away with it. And then, yeah, and then, uh, and then we were, go on. And then we went down the other end, and Paul Hall got a penalty, didn't he? From what oh, I can remember, no, he scored. He scored a bit of a wonder goal, wasn't it? He smashed it from from about twenty yards out or something that's like that. It, yeah, and I, I, I remember it was straight after that. I just remember going absolutely wild. And then the second half, Michael Proctor scored, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, and for me, that one was a special one because we were that rubbish that season. We were <laughs> yeah. a terrible side. I'd say it's got to be one of the worst Wrexham sides of all time. But for, even though they were a better side than us. They got a draw against us at home that season. Even though they were the better side, they still couldn't beat us. That that is what football is all about for me. Gavin Ward having stormers of games and Wrexham beating Chester when we were worse than them. I think that really beautifully sums up the, the, the value of the Derby game. Because that's, of course, the worst season in our history. We drop out of the Football League, an absolute disaster. And yet you can speak so warmly about the Derby game because we did them, we did them over. I mean, that, that sums it up, doesn't it, really? You know? can, I, can I offer uh, the, the perfect Derby, which is April 1953. We are trying to get promoted from the third division north. Chester are not doing so well. We've... We play them twice in April. Uh, the away game, we win 2-1. Of uh, 18-year-old winger, Gordon Richards, scoring both the goals. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? And then when we played return game, 11 days later, uh, well, like I said, this is it. This is the perfect one. Their goalkeeper gets injured after 12 minutes. There are no substitutes. Their goalkeeper is stretched off with a knee injury and... They have to put a striker in goal and play with 10 men for the rest of the game. They hold on until the 25th minute. And then Tommy Tilston, who we signed from Chester, scores a hat-trick in less than 20 minutes. So we're winning 3-0 at the break. Tommy Bannon 
club legends, one of the six players to score 100 goals for Wrexham, sticks in a couple more. Richard scores one as well, because, you know, he's 18, so he's supposed to be scoring all the time. And we beat them 7-0. Now, that that's your dream derby game. But I want to I play them again just to do that to Well, yeah, and I think on that point, it, it's, 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 it's quite a sad one in many ways. I honestly think it could be a fixture that's never played again. Uh, we'll probably. never say never. We'll never say no. Well, we also have the FA Trophy and the FA Cup, but we could yeah. pull them in this season. But for me, it, it could be a, a game that could not be played for a long time, you know, chances. And to be fair to them, you know, they're, they're struggling on the pitch at the moment as well. I don't think they would mm. want to play us at all. You know, they lost 3-0 to Peterborough Sports this season. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's... A tough time to be a Chester fan. I don't think they'd want to play us at all. You know, I think Paul Mullen would have an absolute field day with them this year. I think it'd be pretty fair to say that if we drew them in the FA Trophy, that would be the highest attendance in an FA Trophy regular round game possibly, <laughs> yeah, possibly yeah. ever, because the ground would sell out and the atmosphere would be absolutely raucous. It would be it would be unreal if we played them in the FA Trophy. And they'd probably give our reserves a decent game. <laughs> I think 4 one Rex and Sam Dalby hat-trick. Uh, yeah, that sounds good to me. I, I don't think they would want to play us at all at the moment. I, I know it sounds awful. I know Derby games are very much different, but this Wrexham side is such a killer Wrexham side. And at this moment, this Chester side is not a good Chester side at all. So, come on, FA Trophy, let's pull them together. Come on, one last... FA Trophy Ra would be... You might regret that, mate. <laughs> be careful what you wish for. If yeah. they knock us out of the FA Trophy when we're yeah. in the situation we're in right now. We'd never oh, hear it. St Milner's Day can forget about itself. <laughs> tell you. Well, their, their best player is a Wrexham lad, so I'm sure it won't happen. <laughs> uh, anyway, off after this, we're going to finish off the show. I'm Aaron Hayden, and this is Dragon Hearts. Well, Bill, you are the questions man. You're something we've been pushing on Twitter. Bill, what have you got for us? So we've got a, a we've had a few questions, but we just want to build them up really. So there's there's one really good question about kits that we've received that we are going to wait until we we've got a bit more of a a leaner sort of Dragon Heart to go over the different types of kits that we like. Uh, but the first question we're going to uh, tackle is are the the commentary team going to be doing any more live uh, stream chats and question sessions after games and that comes from rock phonic on uh, youtube so guys well you you guys do the, the well, commentary well well i think hot takes kind of taken over that hasn't it mark and we've got um, the welsh podcast but I'm, i can't see why we maybe i don't know talk about it in the future I really like that idea and I'd love to go back to doing them. So it's something that we, is definitely on the agenda. Uh, I mean, those two things have taken over in the sense that it's what we do with our time after matches, but it doesn't have to be that way. We can rearrange things a bit and obviously we want to bring people what they want. So yes, we'll, we'll have a good chat about that and see what we can fit in. Excellent. Uh, then we have another question from 94 Bat who uh, asks about Elliot Lee. Uh, do do we think issues might develop with Elliot Lee only getting second half or late game minutes? Uh, 
I think 94 Bat's a really big fan of Elliot Lee, but he, he wants to know whether he thinks will be he will be content in this role as it stands now for the duration of the season. Uh, I don't think he'll be content with this role as the, as the season goes on, but I, I think that's what you want because you want a player who wants to come in and wants to get a first team play. So I think in, in that sense, I want him to be annoyed. I wanted to be saying, hang on, I've come down here to be the star man. I need to get into this team because that will drive him more and more. He's certainly impressed me with his attitude and approach so far. He comes on, he makes an impact. Um, I think we'll see plenty of him this season. I mean, remember, it's early yet. Injuries haven't dug in, tiredness hasn't dug in. And I think maybe, you know, the fact that, I mean, let's be honest, it's because he got injured in pre-season that he's missed out on starting the season in the first team. And, you know, maybe giving him that gradual introduction to the National League and letting him build up his fitness me mean he'll be a really fresh player when we do start games. He, he can play in a couple of positions as well. So we offers cover for that. I think we'll see plenty of him. I want to see, but he he will be dissatisfied, and that's good. What you don't want is a player who's uh, on the bench, quite happy with that. That's what you don't want in the squad, isn't it? Well, we want an angry Elliot Lee to come on and do what he did <laughs> against Lee. Uh, yeah. yeah, sure. Well, guys, I really enjoyed doing that podcast uh, and radio show. But yeah, um, everyone firing questions on the YouTube comments, firing questions. DM me, Mark or Bill. You know, there's Dragon Art Twitter. Look at everything on the YouTube. Uh, look at everything on the official Rex Mayfsy YouTube. Yeah, look at all that good stuff. Honestly, but, fire us a question. It'd be quite nice. We're also sorting out our Discord. Yes. Uh, yeah, there's Reddit, isn't there? Um, you're on top of that, Bill. I've had a dip my toe in a bit. And we're also sorting our Discord channel. So that, that should be up and running in a couple of days for you to ask questions on. Yeah, of course. The questions is going to be a really fun segment, I think. So yeah, please, even if it's even if it's something silly, like I don't know, what does Mark eat for his breakfast? As uh, <laughs> as Bill said, yeah, everything. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, please follow us on everything. Keep in tune. Keep listening. Keep the fan engagement. We've really enjoyed it so far. But yeah, thanks everyone. This has been Dragon Hearts. Adios.